Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I'm so excited because I have one of my friends here, Brian, with me. Um, Brian is somebody that I have met over LinkedIn, which seems to be a common thing, but I met you through a, a mutual connection. And we've just had a great conversation ever since. You're just an awesome person. So I'm excited for you to be on the show today. So thank you. Emily, I am so excited to be here because I'm not sorry that I live in West Virginia. I'm intentional (laughs) about living in West Virginia. How are you today, my dear? I am very blessed. Thank you. Very, very blessed, especially to have you because you're so much fun. Brian, my question for you is, what are you not sorry for? You don't have time for me to answer that question. (laughs) You've only got a limited amount of time on this broadcast for me to tell you. Now, I probably apologize for more things, especially being married almost 24 years, Emily. I have probably apologized for more things than I can shake a stick at, like we would say up here in West Virginia. But what I'm not sorry for is I made a decision probably seven or eight months ago. So as you mentioned, you and I met through a mutual connection. I, I mentioned Lori. She's a rock star. I love Lori Knudsen for, with Nobility Consulting. Lori introduced us together. And Emily, what I'm not sorry for is that I chose encouragement over expertise. So part of my story and my background is I have almost 25 years of sales and sales experience and customer engagement. Back next month, I'll celebrate 25 years. But what I saw on LinkedIn and a lot of different platforms, Emily, was I didn't see a lot of encouragement. Mm -hmm. And I knew a long time ago that the Lord had called me to the ministry of encouragement in my local church, but I didn't know how I could take that and translate it. And I knew I wanted to start a podcast. I didn't know what kind of podcast I wanted to do. And everything just kind of came together when I chose encouragement over expertise. And I thought, you know what? Let everybody else over here do expertise and I'll do something over here about encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so when I did that, a lot of things started opening up for me. And especially now I didn't know who could have thought that in the last six months, we'd have a a global pandemic, riots in the street, things that we have faced. And so now encouragement, I feel, is more valuable than ever and it's more necessary than ever oh i agree so much and the thing is is that people what i found is that it was the thing people don't remember what you tell them remember how you make how you make them feel and even with the sales it should be more about encouraging and making people feel uplifted about what you are selling compared to telling them all the facts about what they what you have and so in your experience, what made you like go over that edge to be like, okay, I'm done with this. In facts are great, but getting over that edge of like, I'm not getting anywhere because I just like, I got to do something different. 
at my core, I'm a connector. Mm-hmm. At my core, I enjoy connecting. Some of the greatest people that I've ever met have been just through connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 um, you 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 had you see the Dave Ramsey picture. I got to tell you a quick story about that. Yeah. So I was on I was on the Twitter machine one day, and I was tweeting. And my son's basketball coach teaches financial peace for students at the Christian school that my son attended. He graduated in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so I was on the Twitter machine one day and I thought, I want to do something cool for Spence. That's what the kids call him is Spence. His name is David Spencer Jr. And they uh-huh. call him Spence. I thought I want to do something cool for Spence. So I got on the Twitter machine and I said, hey, at Dave Ramsey, my son's teacher and basketball coach teaches Financial Peace University. It would be really cool to sit for you to send him an autograph picture. I didn't think anything about it. Just, just kind of, you know, one of those tweets like, all right, whatever. Two weeks later, I get a DM from Ramsey's people, and they said, if you'll send us your address, we would be glad to send your son's teacher an autograph picture of Dave. And so I said, well, why you at it? I'll send two. And they said, all right, we'll send two. And so th- this picture behind me is is autographed. It's personalized to me. I've read several of Dave Ramsey's books, like Entree Leadership, The Complete Guide to Money, uh, Financial Peace, mm-hmm. uh, Total Money Makeover. And so, yeah, that's to me, that's kind of the power of connection. You'll notice behind me, there's an autographed picture of Mike Krzyzewski from Duke University, mm-hmm. the all-time winningest basketball coach. Tell you a story about that one. We were at Duke's basketball camp for my son's Christmas present the year he turned before he turned 15 he started his freshman year high school that was his Christmas present was to go to Duke's camp over the summer to go for a week to the to the coach K basketball camp so I noticed that there were people there and I thought well I'll just make some connections talk to people when I'm there and things like that well I ended up meeting his son-in-law a guy named Chris Patola who was the director of basketball operations at Duke and I said Hey, Chris, I said, I've got a book that I want Coach K to sign. How would I go about getting it done? And he said, Brian, he said, if you go up to the basketball office, the third floor, you know, third or fourth floor, and he said, you'll talk to Edna, the basketball secretary. I don't know if he'll do it, but she'll get you taken care of. She'll she'll help you know how to get it done. My wife took the book up there. We got a phone call later that day from Edna, and she said, Coach K can't sign the book. We'll send it back to you. Well, when, about a week later, when she sent the book back to me, she sent my son and I an autograph picture of Coach K. Aww, that is and so awesome. I believe in connection. I believe in the power of connection. And so I believe that connection fosters encouragement. Mm-hmm. Because when you're connected to people, you have a vested interest in encouraging people. With expertise, you're just throwing information out there and just hoping somebody catches it. But when you choose encouragement, you're intentional about it. I love that. And also the part of being intentional with the relationship building is that a lot of times I found like I did a virtual leadership um, summit last week with a company and they're like, this is different than I've ever had before because I can't stand having leadership where people just talk at you and tell you all these facts. Instead, let's have a conversation. So what is the power of during encouragement, having a conversation and listening and hearing people out. 
because very few people are interested in encouragement. It's more about taking than it is giving. Mm -hmm. And with encouragement, you give a lot more of it than you get back. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I'll give you a perfect example. And again, I'm not here to throw rocks at anybody, but a lot of times over social media, it's what you can do for the other person that you're connected to, mm -hmm. whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or something like that. It's not a giving platform as much as it's a taking platform. And so in encouragement, you have to give way more of it than what you'll ever get back. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are not willing to commit to that because the relationship is not what can I get? Right. So we become a mm -hmm. culture about what can I get and a society about what can I get instead of what I can give. I love that. And it makes me think of one of the things that I, I spoke about is the four to one principle for every four encouragements. If you give out those four encouragements, you can give one constructive criticism and people are more likely to hear you out. And that's the one thing I want to talk about now is how much has it helped you in your success of having those difficult conversations? Because as much as you want to encourage, you still have to have that hard talk at times. Well, I think it's your approach, Emily. I think mm -hmm. if you come at it. So, so look at it this way. If, if you come at somebody and you got a sledgehammer in your hand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, a sledgehammer can do one of two things. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. Mm -hmm. I can I can I can use it to build something or mm -hmm. I can use it to tear something down or injure or something like that. And so I think you have to take the approach of being intentional about how you go and, and deliver the criticism and say, hey, look, I, I want to help you, but here's something mm -hmm. I I use terms like here's what I see. Mm -hmm. Here's what I sense. And it's not attacking that person by saying, you're this and <laughs> you're that. And you better come to Jesus right now. Or if you're struck dead, you know, you're not preaching at them. You're just simply sharing with them. Here's what I see. Mm -hmm. If you'll allow me to have a minute. And when you've given more than you've taken, then a lot of times people will be receptive to that. Mm -hmm. And it's the approach that you take with it. You know, you don't want to wag your finger and go, I see what you're doing. And God mm -hmm. sees what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got, I'm totally West Virginian right there. <laughs> Somebody calm him down. You know, give him something. But, but I have seen people, Emily, over the years that have done that. And it's like, good grief, you might as well have just smacked him across the face. It would have been easier. <laughs> yeah. You could have good breath. Yeah, you could have not wasted good breath, and you would have accomplished the same thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that constructive, my son, my 19-year-old son, did something for me almost two years ago that really changed the way I do things like this. Mm -hmm. Emily, I my dad passed away almost eight years ago, very mm -hmm. soon. Uh, he was here on Wednesday and gone on Thursday. And so I talked to my dad at four o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. It was the last conversation I ever had with him. Mm -hmm. He died in his sleep overnight. Wow. And I always carried that with me because I always told my son, I said, I never know how much time I'm going to have with you. I've got to pour into you and tell you and teach you and instruct you. And my son looked at me one day and he said, Dad, you tell me all the things I'm doing wrong, but you never tell me what I'm doing right. 
and it struck me right here. And, and, and I changed my philosophy that day mm-hmm. about how I dealt with him. It's not that I abdicated my responsibility as a father to teach him because the Bible, the Bible is harder on fathers and husbands mm-hmm. than it is on anybody else. It's harder on fathers and husbands than it even is preachers. Mm-hmm. And if I'm talking to some preachers out there that are listening to this, your first responsibility is to your family. God called you to be a husband and a father before he ever called you to the ministry. And so my son got me here and I had to take a step back and I had to repent to him and apologize to him. Yeah, it's okay to repent to your kids. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely okay. Because in that moment, Emily, you teach them what repentance looks like. Oh, yeah. And so I had to turn away from that teaching. And that's what repent means, to turn away. I had to repent from that teaching and go in a different direction and say, son, I want to encourage you. I want to help you and be what I'm supposed to be as a dad and, and as a, you know, as, as somebody that teaches you in your life. My dad spent 40 years pouring into me, Emily. Mm-hmm. I was at, at that point in my son's 17 years of life, I was in danger of pushing him away mm-hmm. instead of pouring into him. So I, I didn't mean to take that wrong turn. I just, no, but it's so it's so relevant though. It it so is, and that's the big thing about encouragement because a lot of the times, even as parents, and I always say, if you can't lead yourself first, it's gonna be hard to lead others. And then if you can't lead your family, then it's really gonna be hard to lead a team, in my opinion. So the thing is, is that even with encouragement, it comes down to a lot of times how we say things. And do we say things where people can actually hear us? Or are we saying things where it's, you need to do this, this, this? Because you is an attack word. A lot, nine times out of 10, you is an attack word. Instead of saying it from I, and I want to encourage you. And it's it's not to sugarcoat things, because I believe that um, to care for others, we need to love others. And that love is to be patient, kind, honest, and understanding. And I will say I struggle with being honest. And it's not that um, I'm very trustworthy, but I want to sugarcoat everything. So it's all happy at times. So being the honest that I'm called to be, and it's okay to say things in a fact base, but let's put some compassion around it and a little bit of encouragement because there's so many times that um, I, I actually wrote in, I have a, a journal. It's actually right here. I don't know if it says, it says, do one thing every day that scares you. And one of the things that I wrote that scares me is because I talk with a lot of people and I deal with a lot of emotional issues and psychological issues and hearing people's stories. And one thing is, is um, I, the messing up my kids, teaching them wrong or being that memory, because there's too many times that there are pivot points in people's psychology that they take with them from childhood and they have amazing parents but parents are just doing the best but I my fear is to be that memory for my children so how can I work at not doing that and I think encouragement and being loved the way that we're called to be loved is a massive way what are your thoughts on that well my first thought is I'm really jealous because I just learned to write last week <laughs> what's the job yeah, we're 49th in education, baby. Super <laughs> We just got to get Mississippi out of the way. <laughs> People. 
But no, I my dad was the ultimate intentional encourager. My dad from a very young age, I started singing when I was three years old. My dad got me up in church singing when I was three years old. My mom still has a cassette tape from the 1970s. Yeah, I'm that old, you know. I <laughs> gray, but I'll be 48 in two months. But my dad got me up singing when I was three years old. My dad pushed me a lot of times and he, he pushed me because he said, I know you can do it. Mm-hmm. My dad was the one that threw me into the deep end of the pool and said, you can swim and do this. And so from a very young age, I, I did that. But here's what I didn't do with my son, Emily. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the same thing to him because I knew the hard things that I went through when my dad pushed me. Mm-hmm. And I love my dad. I, I miss my dad every day. I wish my dad were here to, to hear my podcast. I wish my dad were here when my book releases this fall. I wish my dad were here to read it. Um, I've done some really cool things in my life in the last seven years that I wish my dad were here to see. But my dad encouraged me because my dad believed in me. And I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, my dad, the last 10 months of my dad's life, he and I got to work together. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget a conversation. He called me on a Friday morning and I worked a job where I worked nights. I was recruiting kids for a college that, that I worked for. And my dad called me on a Friday and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just hanging out. You ready to go to work? He said, I need to talk to you. My dad, when my dad said, I need to talk to you, he didn't do that to my sisters the same way he did me. I'm the only boy and I have two younger sisters. So I'm the oldest and I'm the only boy. My dad said, he talked talk to you. And I was like, okay, let me sit down. And my dad looked at me and he said, son, Eric, my dad called me on the phone. He said, son, I need help. He said, I'm trying to pastor a church. And at the time, my baby sister, who's 17 years younger than me, was going through some difficult things. She had a child out of wedlock. And so my parents were having to deal with that. And my dad came to me and he said, son, I need some help. And he was telling me about a conversation he'd have with his boss. And his boss told him, he said, Jerry, you've got two problems. You're trying to find somebody to help you. And you need somebody that can travel and is good with people. My dad said this, and he told me what he said. It was one of the best things my dad ever said to me. He said, I know who I can go get. And his boss said, who can you go get? And he said, my Brian. And when he said that to me, I immediately felt it. Mm-hmm. Because my dad was that kind of person. My dad always knew that I could do something. My dad led the singing in our church, and I played the keyboard. And my dad, when I lived at home, Emily, I can't believe I'm telling these stories. But when I lived at home, my my dad would look at me on a Sunday afternoon. I was in college living at home and my dad would lead Sunday night singing. And my dad would look at me and he would say, stay with me. I know where we're going. I grew up going to a Pentecostal church and I still go to a Pentecostal church. And those of you that know about Pentecostal churches, we can get a little we can get after a little bit. Get a little bit wild. And my dad, but my dad had the utmost confidence in me to know that anything that he wanted to do, any song he wanted to sing, I was going to be right on the same page with him. And for 40 years of my life, my dad instilled that confidence in me. Even being married and having a kid of my own, my dad still instilled that confidence in me. So what comes out of me is 40 years of my dad pouring into me. And so at this point in my life, it was like the Lord said when when my dad went home to be with the Lord, it was like everything I tried to be not like my dad, the Lord, the day my dad died, the Lord said, here you go, big boy. And he dropped the mantle right on me. 
And so I'm grateful for that because it pours out of me now because of the influence of my dad. I love it. And the thing is, too, it's I have a father. And he taught me how to talk. And he taught me how to talk. (laughs) Very quiet. My dad was the the talker. You have to be if you're a preacher, right? Right. But the thing is, is that no matter where you're at, that encouragement, a lot of people didn't have that growing up. I was blessed to have that growing up. But to give that back to the world, I think anytime you go through trials or tribulations or promisings and encouragement, to give that back to the world in the way it's a golden rule, treat people as you want to be treated. Absolutely. And so the importance of that and how we can care for others and be encouragers. Expertise is great. It is. But in that, make sure that you are encouraging people because we know that people want to listen to stories and they want to know how you make them feel. And that's how you're going to continue with that connection with the human yeah. spirit that we want to keep going and thriving. So yeah. my uh, last question for you, Brian, is what are your final takeaways for anybody that is still apologizing for um, choosing encouragement first? Well, here's the thing that you have to say to yourself is what's the ultimate goal? Because there are a lot of people out there that will share expertise with you to make themselves look feel good or look good, but it's not really helping you. And so what I would say to people is this, is one, understand your why behind encouragement. Why are you trying to encourage that person? Number two, I would pray, if you're a Christian, I would pray and ask God, is this the ministry that you want me to have? Because there will be times that that you will give way more encouragement and there will be times that you will need encouragement. I think about the, the story in the scriptures where King David was off in a cave by himself and people were chasing after him. And King David is feeling sorry for himself. But the Bible tells us that he encouraged himself in the Lord. He delighted himself in the Lord. And you have to understand what you're doing. And the third takeaway I would say is don't worry about the masses. Worry about one. Because the Lord is, when you understand about the Lord and the nature of the Lord, he is always focused on one. We have too many people, Emily, that are so, they want to reach this mass audience of people. Mm -hmm. And what you have to understand about encouragement is, It's one on one Mm -hmm. and encouragement should be focused on when I, when I give a post of encouragement on LinkedIn or I do a podcast on the, on intentional encouragement, I want to tell a story. If one person gets something from it, great. Now, will more come from it? Yes, because it's the law of reaping and sowing. And I could spend hours talking about the scriptural principles of that and the practical principles of that. But you have to be focused on one on one. It's about one person. And it's it's about encouraging one person, Emily, whether it's your kid, whether it's your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your customer. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no there's the, the, you know what? Encourage your customers. Salespeople encourage your customers. Business people encourage your customers. Don't always be reaching out for them to go, hey, come back and see us. Encourage them to say, you know what? Thank you. You know what? Because of you, I have a business. 
thank you and focus on that. And those are my takeaways. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> no, I love it. And I want to say that you're like me. We talk about our faith a lot. And so the other caveat yeah. I always say, if you do not even believe in Christianity, think of it this way too, that the person that has the most followers of all time we know is, is Christianity is Jesus Christ. So yep. we might want to look at some of the principles on how he did that. Because, and, it was, and like you said, it was one at a time. It's about being patient. It's about caring. And I'll say the, the interesting thing is a lot of things I, I look at science and how it matches up with some scriptures. They actually match up pretty good, like in understanding that we need to love ourselves and care for ourselves. And gratitude is actually one of the best, like secret weapons, I always say. But, you know, it actually it says in scripture easily um, to be grateful. And how it will help mm -hmm. us have a long life and how to be wise. So that's the one thing that I, I definitely want to also make a takeaway for that. Take religion out of it. It still is something that it gives us more purpose and more drive for us as humans. But there are some things there to look at and, and to take away from there. Because in a lot of it, it's about encouraging. And it's, it's about self-talk. It's about love. And it's about being the best human that you can be. And I always like the 1% better rule. Let's just be 1% better humans every day. Every day. Quit worrying about everybody else. Quit worrying about everybody else. I quit worrying about everybody else a long time ago. I quit worrying about the what, what other people thought of me, how they, how they felt about me. Because here's the thing, Emily, if you like me or you don't like me, I'm going to lose about a millisecond of sleep tonight <laughs> over it. And many people that are worried about what other people think about them. You do you and you do it well and people are going to gravitate to it because everybody is looking for something. Oh, yes. Whether it's encouragement, whether it's self-help, whether it's diet tips. Mm -hmm. I can use a few diet tips, but, you know, or, or how to look better. You know, everybody's looking for something. But don't worry about what other people are looking for. You look for what you need yourself. And you find it and you hold on to it. And when you do, then you are going to be a much better person because of it. Because everybody else is still going to be looking. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I found it. I've, what, you know, it's, it's like when people are, are, you know, when they find, when they come to the Lord. You know, I know people that used to be drug addicts. I, I know people that used to be prostitutes. I know people that used to be uh, the most wicked, vile people in the world. And they came to God and they said, man, what I used to be, I'm not anymore. And I found in the Lord what I needed not to be those things again. So you do what you need and you get what you need first and foremost. I love it. And I love that you're unapologetically bold about it, which makes my heart happy. And that's what this is. We're worried about everybody else. Ain't gonna, ain't gonna get, you, hey, listen, when you die, Emily, I know we're running out of time, but when you die, all those people you thought were important are not going to show up at your funeral anyway. Amen. That is so true. Amen to that one. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.